0: Previously on the Sports Refuge Podcast. Some people can eat something, some people can eat a lot of carbs, and they not gain any weight, and some people can literally sniff a
1: donut and gain tons of weight.
0: From Delaware, almost live, this is the Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. Welcome to episode 37 of the Sports Refuge the weekly interview show where guests discuss their connection with sports. I'm your host, Earl Holland. This is a very special episode as we at the Sports Refuge are celebrating a year of the podcast. And while we haven't done 52 weeks worth of episodes, this is the point on the calendar when we first went live and told you to set your coordinates and lock in your location. And for that, I say thank you. And I appreciate all the likes, listens, and comments in person and online that we've received. Now that we're a year through, I look forward to another year of great interviews. The guest for this episode, Chris Jenkins, has been someone I've wanted to have on as a guest for a very long time. I've known Chris since my time at Snow Hill High School, where we both were members of the Junior ROTC and the startup wrestling team more than 20 years ago. In this episode, Chris and I discuss our foray into wrestling and the learning curve and growing pains we endured being the guinea pigs for the program. We'll also discuss how wrestling made an impact in Jenkins' life and how it helped him in his service in the United States Marine Corps, and how our first coach, Master Gunnery Sergeant Floyd Gladden, made an impact on our lives. And now, my interview with Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins is someone I've been wanting to get on this show for a very, very long time. He's one of the first people I met when I first came to Snow Hill High School, I know I say so many people I met at Snow Hill High School, uh, we were in ROTC together for a couple of years until, well, once he left, and then I was no longer happy with it anymore, and I decided, nah, it's probably not for me. But I'm glad to have him on. We were actually teammates on the wrestling team at Snow Hill, so I know a lot of you guys heard in previous episodes where I talked about my experience wrestling. He ran cross-country, ran a little bit of track, and I'm glad to have you on the show, Chris. How are you?
1: Oh, I am doing great. Yourself?
0: I am doing great. I always tell people every day above ground is a good one because you never know how much time you have left.
1: It's true. I, I wanted to take this time to, but first of all, congratulate you on, on your successes and the podcast and the Sports Jeopardy. I mean, there was many times I, I bragged on you and ragged on you at work. I'm like, hey, you got to check out my boy. He's he, he's killing them in Sports Jeopardy. They were like, well, what's Sports Jeopardy? I, was like, I didn't know about either, but you need to get on and check it out. <laughs>
0: thank you i agree to say when it came to the fact a lot of people didn't know about sports jeopardy that might have led to its ending because not a lot of people knew about it but you know it's like by the time you tell people oh you're on sports jeopardy what's that like oh yeah the show's been canceled for like two years but hey there are still clips somewhere on the internet and once i find them and make them more known you'll be able to find them but yeah i'm glad to have you on i do appreciate you taking time i know being a dad and working jobs is never easy
1: no, nah, it never is. But you know what? It, this is what it's all about, that they get the opportunity to, one, reach back out to friends you haven't talked to in a while and talk about the good old days, which I always like reminiscing about anyway. Um, so it's a good thing. Always a good thing
0: one of the first things I wanted to get into as well because one of my previous episodes I had Terrence Blackwell who previously held the Snow Hill wrestling record uh, and he had about a good 120 wins and I know of course at one time you were the record holder for the wins in Snow Hill especially with our program getting off to such a varying let's be honest a very ragtag start especially (laughs) us being a club team before we jumped into the varsity level. When you heard the idea of wrestling coming to snow hill what were your preconceived notions about it and what do you think helped you thrive in that school well
1: i was all about it you know back when we watched wrestling on tv that was our life you know it was all about the ultimate warrior undertaker so when i heard about wrestling coming the first thing i did who's my gonna body slam first you know who am I to get out there and drop kick on you know i mean i knew that it was totally not not the same as, as what we watched on TV, but, you know, as of course, Master Gunny had a way of, you know, pulling you into stuff and really getting you involved and getting you excited about anything you did. So it, it was amazing when when the opportunity came, same for, for ROTC, I jumped right on because that's the stuff I like anyway.
0: What were some of the growing pains, especially learning a sport, you're coming into it while some people have learned it from the age of four or five? What do you think the biggest learning curve was?
1: Just like my first time at track, uh, it, it just—I like playing sports, but I was never really big into doing it as, as you know, a commitment like that. Like wrestling, uh, track would be baseball. I, I just like playing. I'll get out there and play football. I'll play soccer, but I never really wanted to get committed into actually on teams until wrestling, and um, I jumped right on that. I loved it. It wasn't what I expected at first because. You know, again, you watch watching on TV. You know, I never really watched the real wrestling, um, like, Olympic style or anything like that. So getting into it, it was really tough. You know, the practices, I was like, holy crap, what are we doing here? But once actually getting settled into how it works and how it operates, man, it was, it was a blast. I loved it. Loved it. You know, it's like it was in your blood.
0: <laughs> and it's crazy when I talk to some of the people who wrestle in the program now the way they do the program and things like that is so different from the way Master Gunny did it. They don't do the run around town like we used to do and things like that and that was very interesting to see when you hear about like man they don't even do that anymore. I, I don't understand it. It's, it's crazy because again I guess different styles from different approaches and things like that. We went with the old school former marine style of Master Gunny and how he used to do it in, in, you know, basically rural Tennessee and things like that. So I know we learned a far different way from what we learned, especially it's been 20 years, too. So what we learned back then is not how they learn now. Well, no doubt. I mean, you think about it. He he came from
1: the old school where, you know, and even to this day, I I keep that same mentality. I'm not a big weightlifter. I, I don't go out there and lift weights. And I'm not a big gym person. Yeah, I still train the same way I did in in high school. I get out there, I run, I do my crunches, do my push-ups, do my pull-ups. That's it, you know, calisthenics. I mean, and then if you look how now most people exercise or train, most people aren't in the gym anymore. Most people are at their homes doing, you know, Pilates, doing calisthenics, doing uh, planks, doing stuff like that. There's it, not too many people really lifting weights anymore. So it's just it's a personal preference. But, I, you know, the way we train, yeah, much different. I remember rolling out the mats ourselves and, you know, running in the cold and slipping in the ice outside and <laughs> running around the school. So, you know, and we were, we, like you said, we, we were the misfit group. We were the starters of wrestling, you know, and he was probably getting used to teaching high school, you know. So it was like a new program starting up. You know, we all kind of out there. I remember one of our first practices, we had, what, over 30 people show up? And after, what, two days, (laughs) it dropped down to maybe like 15? (laughs) Because it wasn't what everybody expected.
0: Yeah, man, I don't think everybody was about that life once they saw what it was like.
1: (laughs) I still remember the football team all coming in there, showing up. And after like the first practice... Over half of them didn't show up anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. When I think the football people that are left, it was, it was Lee Chisholm, Robbie Benack and Danny Custis, yeah. probably a few more people too. And I Danny can't C- think of anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. That was about it
1: that I can remember.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Eddie McIntyre, of course. Yeah. Cause he was the heavyweight because other than that, you know, like I said, Thomas, I think came midway through the first year. Brittingham was the next year. Yeah, man, I'm just trying to think. Oh, yeah, we barely had a team. Of course, Jamie was there the whole time. Yep, and you know what? I think un- unless things change, she was the first
1: female we had on the Snow Hill wrestling team.
0: Yeah, definitely. She had her opportunities to wrestle every now and then. And I think she was uh, what that weight class with Thomas and all them, so <laughs> we were lucky. We didn't have to wrestle Jamie.
1: Yeah. It was always interesting, and, and I give her mad props for wanting to do it and sticking with it because, you know, it's tough when you have a sport that's most people see predominantly as a male sport, you know, introducing a female into it, which I'm all for. Like, hey, go for it. You want to get out there and you want to slam these dudes to the ground, do it. And I really uh, appreciate her, you know, committing herself to doing that and getting out there and trying no matter what and just sticking with it. I mean, we had a blast. So, like, again, we were – The original crew of a sport that was introduced to a small town school and now look at it now i mean you know you tell me people are winning over a hundred matches i was like wow we barely finished the first season doing 12.
0: (laughs) yeah and it's crazy especially they had guys going to states and things like that and i think well there's a couple of state champions out of there I remember doing a couple of stories about Snow Hill Wrestling. They had two pairs of twins who recruited to the same college. Two pairs of twins. Wow. Yeah. That was like around that time where there was like a ton of twins at Snow Hill. And everybody's like, hey, it must be something in the water. But, you
1: know, that's good to see because, again, you know, we start out with a small group. And to see it multiply and grow that big is, is pretty awesome. You know, just like the ROTC program. You know, that was a small group, and, you know, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, it's good to see that. Records are records. So, you know, people smash records, beat records, that's great. But it's just the fact that I remember a time even on track, you know, you had just enough people to qualify, and that's it. We would never win first place. We would never go into any championships unless it was individual. You just had people who would come out there and just just want to do it. I mean – and that's what it was all about. We were a small town, small small school back in the day. And it is what it is. You had the same people on track, the same people, some of the same people in wrestling, some of the same people in basketball, some of the same people in soccer. <laughs> so it's great to see it grow and get bigger like this. I, I got to get back home and see some of the home games. I haven't seen those in years.
0: Yeah, football has probably been hit the hardest by especially the size and the decline of of the school population. I feel like, at one point, it was like in the 400s when we were there. It's now like in the mid-300s, if, if that. It's like a huge drop-off. And I think that's just hard to imagine, especially remember the days when football... You know, you had all those teams and things like that. You can't even get that many uh, people to come out to the field of football team. And I know that is just sad to see there. I mean, basketball, after Coach Miller's death, it's sort of swinging back after several years of struggles, and it's finally hit its stride. But, yeah, I mean, some of the teams are are, are rebounding. You know, baseball's still good, consistently good. Softball's fairly good. I know your niece played on softball at, at Snow Hill, and there's a little bit of a turnaround Coming, I feel like some of the teams are bouncing back, especially with the decline in size and things like that.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's good to see because, again, you know, the school, it was always small hometown school. And um, like anything else, you got a small town school. Kids are getting, uh, you know, into more technology. They're, they're branching out. They're, they're leaving the area. And, you know, as the town gets older, you know, without having that fresh, young energy to kind of wake up the town, it's hard, hard to pull people back into, you know, the way it used to be where everybody lived to go see the hometown games because that was the biggest thing to do. Now you can, you know, get on your TV, do all this stuff, or travel half the way around the world on your tablet, and you ain't got to leave your house. So it's, it's kind of getting people back into that old way, you know, even when I'm big on going to, like, tractor shows and all that stuff. So just to go back in history and, and – take my girls out there and they see these old steam engines and tractors doing their things. And it's good to just disconnect and just go back to roots sometimes.
0: Like you said, you mentioned you ran cross country, ran track. How do you feel like those things prepared mm-hmm. you, especially for the wrestling season?
1: I kind of treated track more as just conditioning. Track wasn't my biggest thing. <laughs> Believe it or not, I hate running, um, but it was just conditioning for me. I, I did it to kind of stay in shape for wrestling because my mind, my mentality was all about wrestling, you know? I mean, you remember we tried out for baseball, and I think I was just like, eh, I'm okay. I'd rather just play it and not be a part of a team or anything like that. It was all good and all, but it just wasn't my thing. I I love wrestling. Wrestling was my thing.
0: And it's crazy just to find something like that. You never knew that you would find it like that, especially it just sort of came out of the blue, especially when we first heard about the interest meeting. It's like, okay, sure, let's give it a shot.
1: Yeah, and, and it felt natural, and it wasn't. It wasn't one of those things where you had to think about, you know, you just get out there and do. And that's what I think I loved about it the most was the fact that, to me, it just came natural, you know, learning the moves, figuring out what to do. You know, sometimes I was getting slammed around, didn't know what I was doing, but it was all about learning and, and experiencing that. And I loved it. I ate it up. <laughs>
0: Just sort of going back, I was telling you about Terrence Blackwell, who I interviewed. He set the record at 124 wins. So I think the wow. record's been shattered uh, since then, because I think it's been broken at least two or three more times since he graduated. Oh, yeah, I know. Wow. It's, it's just crazy. Just the opportunities. I mean, he even had, I think, one season where he won, I think, at least 35 plus matches.
1: Awesome. I mean, shoot, I think 11th grade, I maybe did, what, 11-0 and 0 or something like that? Something... And that was it. I mean, that was like the full season.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was so crazy. I think, I mean, you know, I know you wrestled a lot. And it's like for them to do like 30 some odd matches in a season and 30 or so. I mean, because that counts, you know, your regular ones, your holiday tournaments, your regionals. Then you got the States and you got all that other stuff and. Yeah, man, that's a lot of wrestling. And you think about they are constantly working at a frantic pace, especially to get ready and things like that. Yeah, I think it'd be cool if you ever get a chance to go down there just to see what one of their practice sessions are like, just to see how different it was from what we did, because we always talk about, and just talking about how Thomas, how we talk about the man-makers, the boy breakers, the push-ups, the side straddle hops, the butterfly, the Superman stretch, the jack-ups, everything. Some of those things I can remember from the top of my head. And it's like, yep, I will never do those again. I will never do those again. I'm definitely not running because I always say the big man code is the only reason you run is from the police or for your life. That's the only reason you run. That's the only reason you run. Uh,
1: you're right, though. It was a different training style. And, and, you know, I don't know how they're training today. You know, like you said, they don't run or go outside anymore. Hey, that might work for them. I mean, but Master Gunny, as you know, was old school. So he, he always believed in, I'm going to take you for a run. I'm going to come in. I'm going to make you sweat. I'm going to teach you. And then you, you're going to learn. That's the bottom line. He just kept it simple. But again, it's just, it's just a great thing. I love doing it. We had fun. Our practices, King of the Hill was my favorite. Uh, I love doing that. And, um, we had a good group, you know, good team. And, you know, it wasn't all about the wins. We just got out there. We support each other. Win, lose, you know, it, it was just all about that. And I like the fact that I'm glad it's, it's multiplying that bigger and, and they've gone to state regionals. I mean, shattering crazy records. That's amazing. Um, I would have never dreamed of going that far. You know, would I have loved to go in the States? Of course. But, you know, our school wasn't ready. I mean, we barely even made regionals, I think, if I remember correctly.
0: And I always think about just sort of the experience wrestling, too, because I always thought about, if you ever think about it, the longest amount of time is when you're waiting for that ref, he's coming down, sliding on the mat, and he's holding his arm up, waiting, waiting, looking, peering through to see if there's that shoulder space on the mat before he hit the mat and blew the whistle. And those can be some of the longest seconds ever when you're on the mat and you're waiting for that ref to call the pin in your favor. Oh,
1: I know, I know. And for me, it was finishing the match. Once the match was over, I was so ready to run back to that bench. And I think it was uh, Alan's mom. One of the parents would always bring oranges. And they had them on ice. And something about those oranges was just like the best thing to me <laughs> after the match was over. <laughs> those seconds, I mean, with three minutes, was, was a lifetime out there on the mat.
0: And I always think about, especially in the match, you always try to block out all the stuff, and all you can hear is, sink the house, sink the <laughs> 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 Of course. He would always say, is wake up, what are you doing, what
1: are you doing? I'm like, I'm wrestling here. But to me, you know, when, when I got out there and wrestled, it was like the movie with Kevin Costner. It just silenced the mechanism. I didn't hear anybody. I didn't hear the ref. It was just me and the other guy. And I just, in my mind, it was just... I'm going to pin you. Point blank, I'm going for the pin. And, and that was my whole mentality going into 11th grade. 12th grade, I got a wake-up call when it wasn't about just pinning. I had to learn technique. You know, I was getting beat by opponents who were using the point system, which I never cared about in 11th grade. 12th grade, you know, it was a wake-up call. Like, whoa, wait a minute. How did I lose? How did I lose? Oh, the guy got more points than you. What? What's this whole point system? You know? So I think if we had wrestling earlier, when I was in ninth grade or 10th grade or something like that, or had a younger program, we were on the right track then.
0: Oh yeah. And I think the perfect pro wrestling analogy is this. You ended up being like Goldberg when you needed to be more like Mr. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Had to get them points to get them takedowns. Like I said, to this point, it ingrained to me, especially after I started writing for the newspaper. I was the only one who understood wrestling for points. I already knew. The takedowns, like the two points for a takedown, one for an escape. You get the three for the reversal and all that other stuff. Man, when it came to covering that stuff, I already knew. Man, you see some people get decisions real quick. I can't remember the kid that I wrestled.
1: And he kept shooting on me. And, I, and, you know, I was getting frustrated because I didn't, you know, again, we're still learning. I didn't know how to counterattack it. You know, I didn't know how to brace for it. And, you know, as you yelling, Jenkins, Jenkins, shoot on him, brace him. And I am sitting here like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this guy keeps doing this, and I don't know what to do. And then I think finally one time I just planted my whole weight on him when he shot down from my legs. And, and that was it. But, you know, Again, you, you 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 gotta learn these things. You gotta learn that it's more to it than just going for that pin. Going for I'm um, gonna sink the half, and that's all I know. That's all I'm gonna do. <laughs> but you know, it worked in 11th grade. 12th grade was a different thing. And I and I do remember losing to uh, I'll never forget this guy, Paris Lightfoot, skinny guy. I was even surprised he was in my weight class, but very awesome, awesome wrestler, and, and I respect him to this day. And and he taught me when I wrestled him that you know all the strength that I had, all the speed that I had was nothing without skill. And he pinned me, if I remember correctly. And I was just like, what, what, what happened? It happened so quick. I remember every move that I tried to get on him. Me, it was all about aggressive. I'm just gonna grab him, throw him to the ground. He counteracted. He reversed. He got out of everything I put him in. And I'm just get so frustrated. And I'm just like, what's going on here? What happened to me? Just grabbing this guy, throwing him to the ground and pin him, <laughs> you know? And, and I, I respect him to this day. And, and, it, and it's a good thing. You know, you got to learn all aspects of the game. You can't just go in and learn, you know, I'm just going to go grab this guy, throw him down. Yeah, that works on some. You know, I would always practice with the heavier guys just to get my strength up. Uh, that way when... I wrestled my class, what, 119, 11th grade. I could throw people around it would be no problem. But, you know, just got to keep going with it.
0: And one of those things we learned from Asikani that basically every move has a counter. Of course, we didn't learn that until we learned the hard way after losses. Because I remember a couple of matches I had one against Parkside, one against Kent Island. I took him down. You guys saw I took him down, and I just ran out of gas. That's one thing. If I knew how to counter a headlock, I could have beat my guy at Parkside. Oh,
1: yeah. And, again, it goes back to we're still
0: learning. Shoot, I didn't even know the
1: rules half the time. I just say, you know, until he blew the whistle, I just knew one thing. I was grabbing this guy, putting him on the ground. That's it. That's all I was looking for. Um, but, you know, Master Gunning was awesome. I mean, iconic training classes, but he had a way of teaching you, and you don't even know it. You know, I'm sitting there, you know, whether it would be on a run, he'll just come run up beside me and start talking to me. Next thing you know, I'm running faster, don't even know I'm running faster. And I'm like getting out of breath, and he's still talking to me. I'm up at the front of the line. And like, what the heck is going on here? But that's how he taught, you know, in matches. If he didn't like something I did, or he thought I could do better, in the end, he's like, Jenkins, come over here. I'm like, okay. He's like, all right, you know how this guy did this on you, and I'm like, yeah. He said, we'll do this next time. You know, and I think, again, he was on the right track at the time. When we just started that program, in my eyes, he was the perfect coach for it. It was all about teaching you the basics, learning the basics. And he didn't progress you forward unless he felt you were ready. Because I think I remember begging him to, oh, I want to go to states. I want to go to states. But one, I don't even think our school was even registered for states. But he was like, no, you're there, but you're not there. And, and you know, at first I didn't understand that until when we did regionals. And I learned the hard way that, yeah, I wasn't ready.
0: And the tough thing was you only had two years. If you had, like you said, if it started 10th grade, if it started ninth grade, maybe you are able to progress. Cause I feel like Allen and them probably excelled a little more cause they, they had four years with Master Gunny. Yep. Didn't he go to States if I'm not mistaken? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. I, trying to find anything with records in Snow Hill history, especially about the wrestling team. It starting so far back, you'd think there'd be a lot of stuff, note keeping and stuff. Who knows? Remember those maroon singlets? <laughs> you know, and that's funny because I talked with Terrence Blackwell. They said they were using the maroon singlets up to his sophomore year. And so that was like I, in the mid 2000s. Then they went with like a black one. And then they went with like a special one for his senior year and all that. So that's interesting to see. They were using the same ones we wore, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, man, that's
1: crazy. They were not the, the most fancy things but you know what but well, we didn't care it was what we loved. we didn't go out there to try to impress anybody you know try to break records it was all for fun and we just loved the game and that's where i, I felt i got from master gunner you know he would teach you and man some days i be like man is this practice ever gonna end you know but he guided you on the right way and he knew your limits even though you didn't and he know when to push when not to push like i said i mean he was run by me Next, you know, I'm running faster. Didn't even realize I'm running faster because he kept me, you know, distracted, but he knew I could do more. And he didn't want to do more, but <laughs> he knew I could do more. He knew I had that potential and all of us. It was amazing, man. It was good times.
0: And the fun things that we don't always mention, especially about the wrestling matches, were the bus rides. The bus rides were always uh, fun. Never a dull moment on the bus. And that Thomas...
1: Man is is a clown. Oh, that dude had me rolling every match. I don't think I've ever told anybody this, but I was nervous every match that I was in. Every time I got out there and stood on that mat, it was like butterflies. Up until the referee dropped his hand. And then it was like I went from butterflies to an animal. <laughs> you know, just got into the zone, but Every match,
0: I was nervous. I was nervous. And you think about it, sometimes it's better to have those nerves because it's like going on stage and doing something. If you don't have stage fright, then you don't really have something to drive you or motivate you. And if you don't have that, then where is the fire?
1: That's true. Yeah, the focus was there, definitely.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I tell you, with that eclectic group that we had those couple of years, man, that was a pretty unique group i mean you know how we talk like old folks like oh back in my day you know back then it was such a different time just the thing it's hard to believe it was even 20 years ago because yeah wow it's crazy i bet master gunny what now 20 years older so he was probably like in his mid 40s then if that you know he's probably getting close to 70 now he probably still looks the same
1: probably and would probably tell me the same thing <laughs> sink the <to> half me <laughs> He should be down. I don't know if he's down this way or not. To be honest with
0: you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I haven't kept track. I mean, like I said, honestly, I haven't tried to find out where Sergeant Major Ben was, but apparently he showed up at Snow Hill at one point because there was a picture of him and Dante uh, a while ago. It was years ago. So, uh, wow. so yeah, it was a while ago. I think, like I said, it had to be when Lieutenant Colonel was still alive. So um, I, I think it was. Because there was a photo right on Facebook with Dante and Sergeant Major Ben, and you know, and like I said, it, it happened in the 2000s, so it had to be years ago. And that's something I have to ask Dante next time. Next time I have him on, which but...
1: we were a great, good group, man. We had some fun, fun times, and you know, I was just thinking, walking in the regionals or walking in the matches, we probably did look like the misfits, the band of the misfits. But you know what? We didn't care because it wasn't about image. You know, we we got up there, did our thing. Like you said, the experience from the bus ride to the match back on the bus was amazing. You know, just just good times with a group of guys. I do remember Patrick Reagan would always try to – he says, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you one day. And I don't think he ever did. Uh, he might have beat me in King of the Hill once, but that was his goal. And, and you know what? I encouraged that. I think that was amazing, you know. I think he ended up going to States, too. I'm not sure, but – that's good encouragement. I, I like to see those guys challenge themselves, you know, and even to this day, I mean, 100-some wins, that's amazing. I mean, like I said, back when we started, we barely even finished out a season with 12, 12 actual matches.
0: <laughs> yeah, and some of our matches were just sort of like throw-ins to other people's matches. We were just a third team in like a try meet. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, oh, who, who's this group? That's Snow Hill. I'll just throw them in see what
0: they do you know <laughs> yeah you'd be surprised how many tri I-, I remember seeing sometimes uh just as a reporter and it's like man you see there's a lot of tri and the problem is especially when you have some of these matches i know that i remember i was covering a big match it was decatur kent island where it came down to the 112 No, actually, I think it was the 103. It came down to the 103 because they had played everything out. They put all the heavyweights in the middle, and they did, like, 140 some odd all the way down. And then it came back around to the 103. Uh, It's crazy how they could do that. But it came down to one guy. I think his name is Robert Kaminsky. He came in, got in there. The crowd was excited. It was low lights and everything at Decatur. And he came in, rolled that dude up real quick and got the pin. And like the crowd exploded. I'll tell you, that's one place that loved their wrestling. Decatur loved their wrestling.
1: Yeah. I remember when we were, uh, it was almost a little intimidating when we went to Decatur. It was like, holy crap, look at all these people here. But it was fun.
0: Yeah, the best way to describe the cater when it came to wrestling is like Snow Hill in its prime when it came to those basketball games or, or Snow yep. Hill Pokemon game when it came to the basketball. That's what it was like. It was a fevered pitch. That's there was no way to best describe that. And like I said, that's an experience. Man, if we had the smartphone technology like we did back then, we'd have a lot of photos, probably a lot of bad stuff would have probably been happening. <laughs> I do
1: have pictures somewhere of our whole team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have to dig that up. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, Alan Brittingham's mom recorded a lot of our matches, and I meant to get a hold of him years ago to see if she had the video still or, or whatever. But I think she used to record a lot of the matches. That would be awesome to go back in history and see. <laughs>
0: Yeah, man. I think the other thing about our team being, as like you said, a ragtag group of misfits, we didn't know any better. Who are you going to tell us what we're supposed to be afraid of, what we're supposed to be intimidated by? We're just going in there to have some fun. And that's the best thing. Yeah. Sometimes teams like that are the most dangerous teams that you can have because, hey, if we win, that's gravy. We're just here to have some fun.
1: That's how we were. We just went in there and did what we had to do. Most of us only knew, what, two moves, mainly. You know? So, But that's okay. It worked out or it didn't.
0: The half and the shuck. Those are the two I could think of. Because I remember <laughs> try, he always taught us that shuck try to do to the reverse. I mean, man, that was, oh, my God. You know, the sit out, the what? one sit out where you try to, maybe that was a shuck. I don't know. That might be three moves. It's like <laughs> how in pro wrestling they always talk about how John Cena only had, like, six moves. Basically, we only had half of them moves. But we did good. Oh, you know what? I just remembered Mike
1: Melito. Oh, man have you kept up with him in a while
0: i have not i think i see like on facebook it's like people that you may know yeah but i think i see him because he's still got like the little the the little crew cut and everything but apparently he's like built with muscles and
1: and then then your cousin ira
0: (laughs) yeah he's up in cecil county like I said, man, it was a very interesting group. We learned a lot of lessons. I mean, yeah. whether they translated towards life, I don't know, but it was still a fun time. It's like, whether you want to relive them over again, who knows, but you know, they are still things that will be in our memories until, you know, and as I say it, oh. maybe the best way to say it until the end of days, which probably the isn't the best, days, story, huh? but you know.
1: But yeah, you're right. Master Gunny, you know, I've been in ROTC, Sorry, Major Ben. Lieutenant Colonel Harrington, those three they set me on the path of where I am today, you know, I will be forever in their debt of how they mentored me uh, challenged me and pushed me in the right direction to be the man that I am today I mean, whether it be from wrestling or when I'm done with wrestling Master Gunny would pull me in his office and, you know, I go in there and it's still daylight, come out and it's dark (laughs) and, uh, but you know it was a good experiences. I mean, he taught me a lot. You know, Lieutenant Colonel Harrington, you know, he always pushed me and to be that, that leader, to stay in the front, you know, lead everybody, really guide everybody. And then, you know, Sergeant Major Ben broke the mold when he came out and introduced ROTC to our group. I mean, that that was amazing, too. I mean, I wish I had jumped on that when I was in ninth grade. I didn't know what it was but at the time, but it was all about intent only. Yeah, we were the the group of misfits, but we kind of set the path for today. And it's always good to see an improvement. You know, these kids now, I mean, just look at basketball, any sport. For instance, tennis. I mean, that girl is, what, 15 years old? She's crushing it. I mean, and that's great. You know, and I've always seen, I like seeing people improve. I don't care. You know, I did a half marathon a couple years ago, the Marine Corps half marathon and I'm getting close to the finish line, you know, and I hear the crowd cheering. So I'm like, oh, cool. They're cheering for me. I'm about to cross the finish line. I look over to my right, and this 12-year-old girl just smokes me, runs right by me. You know, I am not mad. I was happy because that's good to see that she trained to do that. I wasn't mad at her. I was happy for it. And, and that's how I see all these programs. I'm glad that that snow hill is, is finally getting off the map, <laughs> you know, is it's growing and improving and, and having over a hundred some wins. That's amazing. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. And I think like a couple of pairs of brothers also set records and passed each other and all that. The Fisher brothers is like one was Camden Fisher. He set the record and then his younger brother Declan passed him. And I don't even know what the record is anymore. I know it's probably like like I said, probably 130s, 140s, you have the opportunity to wrestle a lot and you, you keep wrestling and make regionals and things like that because states, I've covered a wrestling states, you're wrestling all day from Friday to Saturday. Wow. Man, and you know, like I said, with all the regions like that and the weight classes, man, it's insane. And I, yeah, I can only imagine. I always wondered if I wrestled a little more seriously and I took it a little more serious, where it could have led me. Who knows? I mean, UAS didn't have a wrestling team, so I know maybe I wouldn't have gone there. Salisbury didn't have a wrestling team, so I might not have gone there. Maybe I could have taken it somewhere, maybe not. I mean, it always sort of makes you wonder and you don't want to regret stuff, but it's like you can always sort of wonder, like, okay, what would have happened if this happened? But you can always look yeah. back at it without saying, Man, I, I I you know, I regret this and that. I just sorta of, you know, I was wondered what could have happened. And we talk about the ROTC thing, I was like, Yeah, after my sophomore year, I was probably done with it. Maybe sophomore, junior, I was probably done with it. I don't think I got my fulfillment out of it. And I noticed that when I'm really gung-ho about something, I'm all for it. And then you start seeing that being gung-ho and putting all the effort in didn't go anywhere. What's the point? So that was my whole thing. Because honestly, I was talk about this story. Me and Brian Banks, we were sitting out uh, in the class. We were talking about Master Gunning. We just dropped out of Mr. Watson's uh Calculus class, because we didn't need uh-huh. calculus. We were good enough with the trick. And then we were trying to figure out what are we gonna do, because we have no other class. We're sitting out in the, we're sitting out in the lobby at the high school. And then Master Gunny's there. We're talking to him to try to figure out what to do, because it was a very interesting story. Because he's looking at things like you know that look that Master Gunny gives you. He look he get that look where he hesitates and delays before he says something, thinking <laughs> he's in that deep thought. And like, hey, how about uh, that? You know, said. Remedial something I'm like um no I don't think that's probably what we need we ended up doing drama class me and Ryan and Dante ended up like being in the play and all this other stuff and it was just crazy but yeah it's like those things sometimes just Master Gunny there like I said I remember those long talks because most times you're my ride so we were in that office for hours when Master Gunny, when Master Gunny was and I'm talking. looking like um Girl, help! <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you know, you know, the day before we had cell phones, so it's like we yeah. we didn't have parents texting us, "Where you at?" You know, you couldn't use that excuse. It's like ah, uh, we gotta go.
1: Well, after my mom just understood, she's like, "Yep, you're yeah. talking again Game Work." Yep.
0: yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, I you know, you always had that one person that sort of reminded you. Like, there's one person I used to work with in the newspaper named Debbie Gates. She would start getting the conversation, man. I was like, I'm heading out. We were the last two people heading out. And it was like, you know, conversation you think would be small. they'll up standing out there for like 45 minutes because she's talking, 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 which the conversation good, my like, and then she the first one saying, you know, man, I got to go. I got to I'll see you later. I'm like, <laughs> go
1: ahead. But you know what? It was good to sit and listen. And you know what? That's what we, I think we all need. You know, even the kids today, you, you just need, to just sometimes you just need to step back, just sit down and listen, you know, stop moving too fast. That's what I love about Snow Hill. When I come back home to Snow Hill, you know, everybody nicknames it Slow Hill, but, you know, I take that as a good thing because you can sit back, relax, and just reminisce about the good old days. I go home and I remember, you know, riding my bicycle across Newark, going down to the dock and crabbing, you know, just for the fun of it. You know, don't get to do that here in Northern Virginia, you know, it's always hustle and bustle and politics and all that stuff. And it's good to just relax and just, just go back in history and just, just relax. I mean, it's just, it's amazing that how it changes you and how it makes you feel. And that, that's what he did. You know, when he pulled us in that office, it was all about learning, all about teaching you something. And you get sucked into it. You know, there wasn't a dull moment, you know, you might be there for five hours, but you're engaged. You're listening, you're hearing the stories, and he's talking about either Marine Corps days or, or the Civil War that he probably was in. <laughs> but, you know, and that's what I admired about it, was he just had that way of just always teaching, always teaching, and I respect him.
0: Have you ever thought about getting back into wrestling, even coaching or volunteering and things like that? I know, especially as a dad of two girls, the time isn't there, especially working. You know, you're a government employee as well. So the time definitely isn't there often. You know, I would love
1: to one day, maybe when I retire, to go back home and either teach or or something like that. Because I think, like I said earlier, it's just it, it's needed again. I think a lot of people, you know, with technology, we get out of we get out of sync with each other. And I think it's good to just go back and just get that one-on-one talk. I mean, I, I watch it, whether it be on the train, even in the car, people who are talking to each other through text, and they're sitting right beside each other. It's like, put the phone down and just talk. I mean, you'd be amazed how just that simple interaction goes a long way. We, we've gotten away from that. And, and yeah, I would love to get back. I was asked a long time ago to uh, come back and help with ROTC, but you no, know, there's no way I can make that schedule happen at this current time in my life. But I would love to come back and, do that and just interact with the kids and be the master gunny that we had, you know, because I think it's very important, at least for me, it was very important to me, and it helped me grow as a young boy into a man by getting that guidance early. Even throughout my whole Marine Corps career, I always had that person – who pull me to the side and say, you're doing right, you're doing wrong, or, you know, good job, or, you know, you need to improve on this, or, here, let me show you a different way of doing your job. And it's good to have that, and I think we all need that. And I'm the first one. I don't care if it's an older person or a younger kid. If I can learn something from you, I'm all ears. I'm right there, you know. I don't get butt hurt if somebody tells me I'm doing something wrong I'm like okay well you tell me how to do it right and that's what I'll do
0: and I always saw that life is always a learning experience I've been sort of this big believer of the theory that you are never too old to one learn or never too old to do something until you're dead that's the only thing the only thing is I wouldn't say if you're 70 years old trying to become a doctor because by the time you finally get (laughs) your residency it's time to get your gold watch
1: (laughs) But you're right. I mean, like when I mentioned the uh, doing the half marathon, that was a big wake-up call for me, too. I mean, I saw all walks of life, you know, people bigger than me, younger than me, older than me, you know, 20 times heavier than me. And they're all out there running, racing, completing. And it's, it's amazing to see. I mean, if you ever get the chance or anybody ever get the chance to either participate witness it uh, the green Corps half marathon they do in Fredericksburg Virginia comes around it's just awesome how the community gets involved and you know it's just amazing but it teaches you that you know all you got to do is just take the time train you know learn the right way learn at your own pace learn what works for you and yeah you can get out there and run 13.1 miles anybody can
0: I think the biggest thing for me, I wish I knew, especially going back to all those PT days when I couldn't finish the runs, because I found out I had flat feet, and that didn't help me any either, because like my hips and lower back would be killing me. And I feel like if I knew about insoles and things like that, maybe I would have been able to complete the runs, because, you know, yeah, we're all going to be tired, but all of a sudden, if you can't do it, it feels like your back is just barking.
1: Yeah, and you got, it's one of those things you can't just jump and say, hey, tomorrow I'm going to run a half marathon. No, it doesn't work that way for anybody, you know, you got to train up, you got to know your body, see what you can do. Um, you, know, you don't want to overexert yourself. Cause again, that's 13.1 miles. That's no kick walk by any means, but it's just, it's fun. Just like wrestling. You know, it was fun to see, you know, we were inexperienced. We didn't care, but we got out there and we had fun. We enjoyed it. And that's what it's all about. That's why sports today teams, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the, the politics and money and, you know, being an individual, but get back to the root of where it all comes from. It's all about team. you know, you're relying on that person to your left and to your right, you know, to either help you score or to block you And it needs to be, you know, somebody needs to be blocked. That's what it's all about. And we just need to get back to that.
0: Going back, what weight did you wrestle at and how far the difference now are you from your wrestling weight?
1: Uh, let's see 11th grade I think I was in 119 weight class and then I bumped up to I want to say 125 in 12th grade uh, and actually the first two, three years of my uh, Marine Corps career I didn't even climb above 135 uh, it wasn't until I got out, got older <laughs> is when I increased weight. So now I weigh about
0: 167 now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know when Eddie, when he went to Army, well, he lost a lot of weight. He was oh, like yeah. <laughs> nearly unrecognizable after the boot camp. I'm like, you know.
1: Well, if I find this picture, I mean, I looked at like the high school picture. I was like, man, I look like a, a refugee. I was so skinny, you know. You know, it just was crazy to see those pictures. But, you know, everybody was. And we were just young little rails, man. <laughs> 119 i mean i was a little featherweight
0: (laughs) you were young you were a young rail i was always like right now i'm well off my uh high school weight and off my college weight actually i felt like i was weighing less in college than i did in high school and i was like then i was like 275 in college i I fluctuated up to two from 275 like to 290 and then when i had dropped the weight a few years ago I had went from like 315 to like 274 270 so and that was like going to the gym uh working out 90 minutes and then hitting a treadmill for a half an hour yeah it's easy to do that before you know when you're working afternoon shift and things like that or early things you get in the gym hit like six o'clock and then go back get ready to be there for like nine you know but you know. yeah and,
1: and to me college was was now I, I've never finished a degree um and I've actually been going back to school after getting out of the Marine Corps to finish getting my associates working on the bachelor's and all that. But, you know, when I go back now, see I, I get money from the VA, so I don't have to worry about financial aid and all that. But you know, going back to school and watching some of these kids who come in there and, you know, they're standing in line, hoping and praying that they get financial aid and, you know, get in the classroom and, and they're getting nervous or you know, it's a different monster, different beast, and you know, even my eating habits changed. You know, I was snacking on anything I could because I was studying for an exam, or oh, gotta run the class because I'm late. And let me see the close thing that's been a machine that has a soda and a honey bun, you know, and, and it's, it's quick to pick up the pounds, you know, and it's stressful. College is stressful, and you know, and I really, I sat down and tried to talk to a lot of the kids that were in my groups, you know, where it be in English class or whatever. And, you know, just just try to encourage them to, you know, know that they can do it. They can make it. You know, just keep your grades up. And enjoy it be there when you need it to be there. And always talk to somebody and, and ask questions. I mean, that's, that's something I think we all forget to do. I have no problems telling you I don't know something, and I'm not ashamed of it. I've never been the, the best person in sports. I've always relied on you for sports <laughs> in my stats. I, I tell people in my office, like, in my eyes, you're the sports master. I mean, you be telling me about stats back in the fifties. <laughs> just just at the drop of a die. You know? And I'm not a sports person like that. But I'm not afraid to say, nope, I don't know who that is. Yeah. You know? But tell me about it. Teach me about it. You know. And I think we need to do that. But it uh college is a beast, man. It can be a beast, just like anything else. But you just gotta keep motivating yourself and, and move on and you'll get through it
0: yeah i think that's two things one never be afraid to ask for help and the other one is don't aim for perfection aim for adequacy first or competency and then work your way up from there i think that's the biggest thing when i went into college uh well one thing i started the major that i didn't want i just did it for the scholarship and it involved math and math yeah not a fan of math like i said you could have got me into history got me in english but not math or science Man, I just—I took, took my two minimums. I already knew I was losing the scholarship. I went to the summer. I walked over to the head of the, the math department like, yeah, this is not for me. He signed off on my paper. I walked to the English department and had him sign mine. And then I walked to the registrar. Yep, changed my major. And that was it. And then, that, <laughs> then sophomore year, I started on English. And like I said, my grade point average significantly jumped up from there.
1: Yeah, I remember I had to uh, take a film appreciation course. Oh, that was like the death of me because, one, I never liked the old black and white films and the the silent films and all that stuff. And oh, to me, that was just straight on the same line as history. You know, I got the best naps in those classes, but I struggled. But the the teacher was just so excited about them and really dove into the class that you you didn't have a a choice but to kind of jump in with her, you know. The sessions was amazing. It's just when we had to go review these movies for either an exam or something like that, oh, I was dying. My wife would just have to nudge me all the time, like, "Wake up, wake up! You gotta, gotta finish watching the movie. Do you even have an exam on it tomorrow." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." I was like, "What am I?" You're like, "You gotta start over. You already slept through the whole movie." <laughs> but yeah, it, it's rough, man. But but it's always good to you know just don't be afraid to try. You know, just go for it.
0: I know one quick thing before we start wrapping this up when you're talking about film we had a film class that you only asked and the one thing we were looking at we were looking more they had us look more like camera angles what is this a candid angle all the different things panorama and all this other stuff we didn't really get into like the substance of it that was something like nah we didn't get into that or if we did I don't remember it and I don't again I feel like there's per- certain parts of life I don't even remember how I made it through high school let alone some of the classes that you only asked but I made it through so you know it happened
1: yeah you were smart man you've always been been one of the one of the few friends i've had from school that i I just knew what was gonna make it you know i I never doubt that man you are a sports master and i want to see you on espn
0: (laughs) espn was the dream man at one point and then i like mm, sort of fell out of love with it i mean now I was like man if i can get a tv anchor job but i don't know if i have that uh yeah, I don't know if I have that willingness or interest in it. If I can get a job as a TV sports anchor, that'd be cool. But I feel like as I'm getting older, especially, you know, slowly merging towards 40, the opportunities are slowly becoming <laughs> few and far between. So, But I know like this, if I'm going to jump on that opportunity, I'd have to do it soon or that's it. That'll be one of those things I always sit back and I'm like, man, I, I wish I did. It. And I don't want to do one of those things where we talked before. Don't want to regret not doing something.
1: Hey, uh, You're still young. We still got plenty of time, but... But yeah man like I said about sports jeopardy and you were killing him on that show man
0: <laughs> Like I said when I keep telling people that first game, I was sort of out of sync with the buzzer because that's the toughest thing when you're yep. watching any version of Jeopardy. You see people fiddling with that buzzer, trying to trying to click. It's like what well, yeah. not working, and then all of a sudden came over to the break. It's like yeah, you're you're buzzing in too early. You're locking yourself out. What you should do: read the question on the screen, listen to Dan Patrick, and then once it's ready, and you see the board light up. Then that's when you buzz. And everything became clear after that because then oh I know the run. I was watching- <laughs> I was busting out the beer, sitting back like, look, look at look at Earl, go, look at him, look at him. <laughs> Shoot, I'm still that was good, man. On, I'm still trying to get on regular Jeopardy, but like I said, I already know my weaknesses are world capitals, geography, and most ancient civilizations because, yeah, I don't think we went into that much yet. Snow Hill, definitely not a yummy ass, but, you know, that's <laughs> how it goes. Man, yeah. I do appreciate this, and we got to do this again. As we wrap this up, what are ways people... Can find a way to contact you when you're online. <laughs> um, I don't know, man, because
1: I I just don't I don't I don't have Twitter. I don't have uh, Snapchat. None of that. I, I just um, I am gonna do better. So I'll just say this, you know, reach out to me on Facebook, and just be patient with me. I will get to you. I will reply to you. Um, I just I gotta get myself wrapped up into you know. Because, I mean, I, I do miss reminiscing about the good old days, and, and I like seeing how people are doing. But, I, you know, everybody uses Facebook or Twitter or something like that, and I just got to jump on the bandwagon and just realize that, that that's the source that everybody uses nowadays. So, uh, yeah. And if I don't reply to you, just it, it's not because I don't want to. It's just just, just how I am. I've never been a big Facebook fan, but uh, I'm going to get out there, and, and I got to reach out to a lot of people. And we need to go back up to uh, either D C or somewhere soon.
0: Oh yeah. Hey, I'm for birthday thirty seven. I'm I, I don't know what the plan will be. Hey, you guys should probably come up maybe to Delaware. You guys can always make it a day up in Delaware. There's so much stuff to do. You know, oh, yeah. I don't want to sound like the Delaware tourism board because I'm far from it. But yeah there's plenty of things to do. Like basically what you have in D C is basically up in Delaware with no sales tax.
1: Yeah, I gotta get up that way. I again I I don't know when the last time I've been to Ocean City. I don't even know the last time I've been to Delaware. I mean, it's just been, been a long time for me.
0: I can tell you when the last time I was at Ocean City, we went up after we played like a game of dropping baseball. I hadn't swung a baseball bat, you know, not counting so but softball in years. I got a single. And the first time in 20 years, I got a hit. And even then, that's probably more hits than I had in probably at age 16 or age 17. Shoot. Got a hit and then treated myself with like a big lobster, some corn, and like kind of a half pound of shrimp. But... <laughs> 30 bucks at at this place on 28th Street. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I would love to do that. Again, I love playing sports. I'll get out there and play football.
1: I'll play it all. You know, rugby, anything. I'll, I'll get out there and try it.
0: There was this long time ago we were in Berlin. It was like a drop-in football game. It was like a Turkey Bowl thing on the Thanksgiving. Everybody from people from Pokemon, from Snow Hill, they were playing a big game of football. It was like three different, four people wow. came on teams. Yeah, man. It was just crazy. It was fun. People didn't act a fool. It was just nice, fun, people playing football. People I don't even know. Somebody from Berlin, I'm playing right beside them on offensive line. Like, hey, let's go. This is fun, man. <laughs> That's good,
1: though, but that, that's what, again, that, like I said earlier, that's what it's all about. You know, it's just, just getting together and just, just playing. Who cares what kind of skill level you are, if you can play or not play, if you can't
0: catch the ball, who cares? Yeah, man, I, I like I said, I, I I do appreciate it. We got to go talk a little more about all the time we used to drive in the car, listen to your CD player uh, and all those songs. I, I still got the tape you made for me, wow, years ago. Man, now it can be turned into CDs and just or send you like zip file no, right? through, through Dropbox. <laughs> That's cassette you made, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just crazy, man. It's like now we can't even listen to half of the song because they are Kelly, so <laughs> <laughs> without feeling <laughs> that. Hey, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like you, you, you're you the dad of two girls, you know, like nope, 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 no, no R. Kelly anymore. You ain't lying. Uh, man. And it's a shame, too, you know. But, you know, and,
1: and speaking of that, 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 as time goes on, you know, sad is that all these good artists our kids will, will never know about. Like Michael Jackson, by the time, I know my girls know about him now because I, I, I bring him up. You know, I, I teach them about, about all types of music, and, and, you know, they listen. They love You uh, Rock My World. They love that video. They love me walk, playing it, and they'll go, Daddy, can you play that video with that guy that looks like a girl? Oh, he's like, oh, Michael Jackson. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, they love that video. And, and you know, it, it's sad that they're not gonna know as time goes on, or even their kids, that 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 history is gone.
0: Michael Jackson, you
1: know, Ray Charles, you know, the pioneers of music gone, you know.
0: It's crazy. We've been on a kick watching a lot of concerts. We just saw Gladys Knight. We saw Lionel Richie. We saw Earth, Wind & Fire. We saw... Uh, we're going to see Elton John in November. We're looking forward to that. In the past few years, we haven't seen everybody from The Temptations to Michael McDonald to to Billy Joel. And we're looking forward to seeing Billy Joel again. Yeah, man. And we saw Cher, too. You, you never know. And we're going to see Celine Dion. I don't even... Yeah, I know a lot of Celine Dion stuff. other than like, you know, three songs, but we're going to see her anyway. Might as well. Yeah, you're going to pay for it, though. <laughs> Actually, it's not that bad in Baltimore. It's Philly. It's awful. But, you know, but like I said, all I'm waiting for now, I want to see Cameo and I want to see Huey Lewis if he ever starts performing again and maybe Weird oh. Out. That's all. Weird out. <laughs> hey, he was performing in Wilmington, and we didn't even really know about it. But you know, it happens. But yeah, man, I do appreciate it. We got to do this again, definitely the extended version. Oh, it's less about sports and more just about all types of other crazy stuff. Oh, you got it. Money like, time. Like driving through Patey Woods at night when you go like eighty miles per hour. Oh, we won't talk about that. <laughs> hey, you made it. Hey, you made it out, man. So.
1: <laughs> Those are good days, man. Those good. That was great talking to you, man. I, I really appreciate uh, you reaching out. And uh, and, and I mean what I said. I, I'm glad to see you, uh, how far you came, and, and the podcast and all that. And just keep going, man. You know, It might not be at ESPN, but hey, you're going to be out there. And you might be on the TV one day. And I'm
0: like, there he is. That's the Sports Jeopardy Master right there. I really do appreciate Chris coming on the show, and I look forward to having him back really, really soon. As usual, if you enjoyed this episode, Don't forget to share. Next time, my guest will be Andre Watson, a former classmate of mine at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. We'll discuss how he became a fan of professional wrestling and what it was like attending WrestleMania not only once, but on multiple occasions in addition to what led to his departure from the field of journalism. You can find a link to this and previous episodes of The Sports Refuge on The Sports Refuge website. Or you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and wherever else podcasts are heard, including our newest home, Spotify. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge Podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at thesportsrefuge, on Instagram at Sports Refuge Sports Blog, and on Facebook at the Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.